Welcome to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. Mike is one of the nation's top realtors and is highly regarded as an authority in residential real estate sales. Mike Bell has nothing to sell but great wisdom. You're going to love this show. Now, here's Mike Bell. Welcome to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. My name is Mike Bell, and we're going to be with you for the next hour talking about residential real estate, specifically about something that is huge in the market, and it's going to be huge in the market for years to come. We're going to be talking about short sales. Well, we're live here in Pasadena, and as you know, this is a call-in show. So you can call us at 1-888-GO-FOR-IT. That's 888-GO-FOR-IT. 888-463-6748 are the actual numbers. Well, anyways, I sell a lot of houses, as you probably know. I'm a licensed California real estate broker with Keller Williams International Realty, who just they just announced uh, two weeks ago they're the largest real estate company in the nation. Um, and um, that's where I hang my shingle. I've been selling homes for a living for been licensed at least for 19 years. I started flipping houses first, and I I sell a ton of homes now. And this is my full time job. So. The show is obviously about the nuts and bolts about selling homes for anyone in the United States. Now, you can also reach me on my personal cell phone. My personal cell phone after the show is 888-401-1555. That's 888-401-1555. My email is mikebell at kw.com, mikebell at kw.com. And my website is themikebellteam.com. TheMikeBellTeam.com. You can find me on Facebook. You can Google me. You'll find me. Well, in our studio today, we have Jennifer Rose. She is a short sale facilitator, negotiator with National Home Equity. I regard Jennifer as part of my team. She is, uh, she is just one of the best out there. Now, in a previous life, Jennifer she was an escrow officer, I think, for eight years, nine years? Eight years, yes. And uh, then you were a licensed real estate agent. Then uh, you combined the two. You combined your skills. And um, uh, now you're a, a, a very well-regarded short sale facilitator, negotiator, specialist, and you've closed close to 1,500 short sales. Yes, that's correct. Um, you're HAFA certified? Yes. And uh, let me see here. Let me get your information out here. Your phone number, the best way to reach you, is 818-863-1631. That's 818-863-1631. If you're listening, you may want to write these this down. Also, her email is jrose, jrose at nationalhomeequity.com. Dot com. Now, you were with a really large bank. That is correct. Uh, and then you were doing short sales. As a uh, negotiator, absolutely. Negotiating on behalf of the bank. And you, uh, you left the dark side. I did. I did, thank goodness. I decided there was a lot more realtors and a lot more homeowners that needed help on this side of the equation uh, versus the banks. I think the banks are taking pretty good care of themselves these days. I would agree with that. Now, you are actually a speaker. You speak twice a month to realtors locally. Correct. We'll travel around to different brokerages, sometimes MLS meetings, caravan meetings, um, anybody who's willing to listen and needs the information on how short sales work. Now, right now, I, I was amazed when we, we had lunch before this, I asked you, how many short sales are you handling right now for realtors? We are working on about 180 files right now. 180 files. Well, on Thursday, in a few days, it'll be 179. Right? That is correct. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> it wasn't that bad, was it? It was that bad, Mike. It was. <laughs> so I have a I have a, a condo right now that I'm selling, and it's a short sale. It's a reverse mortgage short sale. Did everybody hear that? A reverse mortgage short sale. It's a reverse mortgage short sale. Believe it or not, uh, banks can um, can take a loss on a reverse mortgage. They don't like to. 
And I called Jennifer about, oh, we've been working on this for five months now. I believe that sounds right. Too long. Yeah, it's too long, but at least we're going to close it. We close it. The, the, the buyer's loan funds today and we're supposed to close this tomorrow. Exactly. I, I, oh my gosh. I can't wait to close that. Is the champagne ready? <laughs> Actually, um, we are going to celebrate because I think it, it's important to, to celebrate the, the wins and that this was mm-hmm. a really difficult transaction. Just there's so many moving parts, uh, in a short sale. I, let me back up here. Let's. Uh, I spend a lot of time on the phone with people explaining what a short sale is. Can you give me, in two minutes, what's a short sale? What does it mean? Great question. It's actually, you would think that as much as short sales have been around, that everybody would know the definition to this uh, word short sale or words. Uh, we don't know if it's one or two. But basically, in a nutshell, short sale is if your home is worth 300,000, but you still owe 600,000 on that home. Obviously, something needs to happen to that difference. Um, what we do is we work with the banks to let them understand the home really is only worth the 300,000 and they should relieve the loan, release the lien and allow that homeowner to sell the home for what it's worth, regardless of what they owe. Well, I think the banks, they realize that they'll actually make more money if they allow the homeowner to sell the house. Um, than if they actually did a foreclosure. And that's exactly what it's all about. It is a mathematical equation on behalf of the banks. They do a prediction on one side of the spreadsheet and what they think they would net from a foreclosure versus what's being offered through the short sale. If one is higher than the other, that determines the answer. And I've always understood the ba- that the bank, the industry, they don't want to own real estate, that the banks are not in the business of owning real estate. They're in the business of Absolutely. Doing loans. There's liability on their behalf. They've got to maintain the property. They've got to hire asset managers. They need to hire property preservation specialists. It's in their best interest to do a short sale. Most of the foreclosures that I've seen, they're not in the best shape. Exactly. I've seen, I've seen properties where you walk in and you don't realize that there's, uh, the electricity might be on, but there's no light fixtures. Correct. Somebody's taken the fixtures or they've taken the bathtub. Or they've, they've done other things because they're kind of upset about the whole thing, but. Absolutely. Uh, you don't realize that until, um, I think one, one, one house that I bought, uh, years ago, uh, I didn't realize, um, we knew that the lights were on, the electricity was on, but we didn't know that we had no lights until it started getting dark. And we, we started mm-hmm. walking around going, and there was not a light bulb in the house. Somebody had stripped the house. The previous owner probably, uh, obviously did. And then you're lighting up your cell phone just so you can see. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So what we're going to do in our show here today, we're going to really um, delve really, in, really into all the uh, the intricacies, the moving parts of a short sale. And I think you were telling me you don't have of 180 short sales you're doing right now. None of them are the same. No two are ever alike, Mike. That is so true. And if I could get that point across to everybody. Um, I use the analogy all the time. If there are two houses being serviced by Bank of America, identical floor plans, identical value um, on the same street, those two short sales will end up being negotiated and approved completely differently. There are way too many moving parts. Wow. Um, now, when I, I when when short sales came to, you know, a, to be a big part of the of the marketplace pretty much everywhere in the nation. Um, it was funny because I, I had, uh, I had a client call me up and he said, uh, you know, I think I need to do a short sale, but I don't quite understand what the word short sale means. And somebody told me that it's because the banks are taking it in the shorts. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a little bit of truth to that. That is for sure. There is, but we've got, uh, we probably won't get into it, but there's enough government bailouts where the lenders are doing okay. I think they are. I mean, in, I, I want to talk a little bit about the sh- the history of short sales. It seems like just a, f- a few years ago, when when the market changed, well, it was more than a few years ago, six seven years ago, when the market changed and people were un- really upside down and they wanted to. Well, first of all, they tried to do a loan modification. Correct, and banks are really pushing for those these days. They they were, they still are, uh, but. It's been my experience that 
you know, to do a loan modification, first of all, the bank is going to give you a loan modification, probably, if you're living there and you still have a job and you can, you can actually service the new payments if they drop the interest rate. But they qualify you just like you're getting a regular loan. I mean, it is really absolutely a regular loan. And people get frustrated because the bank will tell them, you know, we could probably do a loan modification, but submit all your information. And this may be for the large banks. You can go on their websites, and it's about a 15-page form that you fill out. It probably takes you hours and hours to do that. That's right. That's right. And let me back up just a little bit. You know, we talked a little bit about the history of short sales. Yeah. Short sales have been around for many, many years, not just related to the uh, past five, six, seven years where they have been prevalent in the market. Um, but, yes, it, these days the, there is a lot of uh, – America wanting to see the big government entities, the big banks, the the people with the deep pockets helping out today's homeowners. And the way that they do that is they try to help them, per se, through a loan modification. Um, I have to tell you, though, Mike, when most homeowners come to me and they're in the middle of the short sale, it's because a loan mod has failed. They are frustrated. They are at their wits end and they are tired of dealing with the banks, the loan modifications from what I have seen in my perspective, just do not work. In my perspective, it's the same thing. I rarely hear of people getting a loan modification. And it's interesting. I, you know, I, I try to do as much research as I possibly can on these topics. The, it, it, there's really no good data out there how many people try, try to get a loan mod and get it. Um, you know, what is trying? You know, the, all the banks, if, um, if you go to their press releases, they all have different numbers. And Correct. I just, and, and it really sounds like they're doing a really, really great job at this. But the reality of what I'm seeing on the street and what you're seeing on the street that what you just told me is that most of them are not getting the loan mods. That's correct. That's correct. Or if they are approved for the loan mod, it may work for a few months. But in the end, these homeowners are still upside down. Not a lot of incentive. Not a lot of incentive. It's very, very difficult for a homeowner to justify. Uh, an approved loan mod with a reduced payment of $100 a month when somebody comes down the street and buys their exact same model for $200,000 less than they're paying makes it really hard for them to want to make that payment each and every month. You're absolutely right. Now, if you can't get a loan modification, it seems like the next step what they do is they, they push you to, uh, to, to entertain a short sale. Absolutely. And that's where we come in. And that's where my clients call me. They call me. They're, they're at a point where they've tried to do the loan mod. They've tried and tried and tried, and they're calling me, and they are so upset on the phone, and they want to tell me about these horrible stories about what what the bank told them they could possibly do right. and the months and months or even years that they've been trying to do this. And now they're at the point where they're upside down in their mortgage. They're not going to get the loan modification. The bank has maybe even started the foreclosure process, and they keep pushing them to do a short sale, and they want to know what you know. What is it? What do we do? How do we do all of this? They're incredibly frustrated. That's right, and I'm glad you say that because you know there is a common misconception out there that short sales take forever, and the only sense that a short sale can take forever is if the homeowners do explore all of their options, and they have to understand that you can't go through one underwriting process to determine an outcome. You either have to try the loan modification through its entire process or you try the short sale through its entire process. One does not, the right hand doesn't talk to the left hand. So if you, a homeowner really needs to understand their options, make their decision, and then get involved with a good realtor and a good specialist to get them through that process as easy as possible. Well, there's probably, I would say, I would I would imagine you spend at least an hour on the phone with somebody just giving them the consultation that, we're basically going to have in this show. Absolutely. Absolutely. So they really understand that there are incentives to do a short sale versus getting foreclosed on. Yes, there are. And we're going to be talking about that after this break, too. And um, there's, there's, there's also, well, there's just so many moving parts to this, and I hope we can get it all in the show. Anyways, you're on the, we're, you're listening to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. We're going into a break, and we'll be right back in a few minutes. Thanks. Now, 
back to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show on TalkZone.com. Here's Mike Bell. Welcome back to the show. Our discussion is with our guest, Jennifer Rose, short sale facilitator, negotiator, extraordinaire. She's got 180 files she's working on right now she's helping realtors with. And uh, we're going to continue our discussion about short sales. Um, w- real quick, uh, this everybody asks me this question. What can you do a short sale on? Can you do a short sale? Uh, obviously, primary residence. Yes, absolutely. That's probably the primary, the, the predominant short sale transaction is a primary residence, which is some a house that you live in. Correct. How about vacant houses? Vacant houses, definitely, um, especially in today's market. We're seeing a lot of folks relocate for employment purposes. Uh, job market has been a little volatile. So uh, somebody vacates a home, if it's an investment home, if it's a commercial property, if it's any one of those things, we have seen it and uh, have approved it in a short sale. Wonderful. Okay. And um, so there's a point where you get a phone call from a real estate agent. Now, to back up. You're part of my team, okay? I have a bunch of short sales going on right now. I feel like I'm smart enough to know what I know and know what I don't know. And I know short sales to a point where I know I don't want to do them because that's not my level of expertise. Absolutely. You bring up a great point. It is so important to have a team. Real estate agents are the primary part of the entire short sale process. And for me, somebody like me who specializes in working with banks – for me to work with professionals like you, Mike, is number one. And for those agents to understand that process, it is absolutely huge. Well, I mean, it's a different skill set, too, because I I, mean, I, I kind of regard like what I do for a living. I sell a lot of homes. I'm in fifth gear all the time, okay? Right. I'm, I'm humming along. We have a team of specialists that we have a very, very good um, – it's kind of like a doctor's office, that's you know, right. That's, that's right. That's really the way I run my team. I'm the doctor and I do all the important things, but you wouldn't want your doctor answering the phone, taking your appointment or billing the insurance company or weighing you. Okay. Exactly. You wouldn't want all of that. But, um, but if, and, and you know, I don't really don't think that you want your real estate agent negotiating a short sale because it is a completely different skill set. It's like going from fifth gear into third gear or first gear because, uh, you and I are wired differently. We talk differently a little. We have different personalities. That's right. And I don't like being on the phone for an hour and a half waiting for somebody to, to pick up the phone at the bank. That would drive me nuts. It doesn't drive you nuts. We were talking about that. It doesn't. And whether or not that's normal, I don't know, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you're, well, you're absolutely right. And negotiating and facilitating short sales is such a specialized field these days. Um, it has everything to do with real estate. It has everything to do with escrow. It has everything to do with appraisals and lending, but it is its own special niche. It is that, uh, specialty within the doctor's office and real estate agents, you know, we, we really cater to them and tell them you guys are the salespeople. You are in charge of listing that property. You are in charge of handling that asset. Let us handle the banks. Let us sit on hold. Let us fax and email over and over and over again. Let us argue on behalf of your clients so that we can explain to the banks why this makes more sense than going through foreclosure. Now, if I have a client this happens a lot. They they tell me that they think they have to do a short sale. They're upside down. Mike, can you sell my house? I, I say, yes, this is the process. I will sell your house. I will be your listing agent. I have a team. Part of my team is Jennifer Rose. Now, what we do is I'm going to market your property just like I do with any other property, okay? Once we have an accepted offer, okay, once we have an accepted offer that the seller accepts, at least in California, and I'm sure it's the same way across the nation, there's an addendum that everybody signs that they understand that it's a short sale. And that final numbers, everything, is actually up to the bank that has a mortgage on the house. There could be a, there could be two banks. There could be three banks. Yes, there Pro- can. Okay. Now, once I get that accepted offer, I hand it, I hand that, that hot potato to you. Absolutely. What do you do? Hot. Once, uh, so I send, I let you, I introduce the parties. I introduce the, the, the buyer's agent, me, the seller, and I give you a copy of the contract. Take it from there. Absolutely. First, 
first and foremost, we call and introduce ourselves. We're going to be getting to know these folks and pretty well. Pretty well. Pretty well. We're going to be talking about each other's kids and cleaning each other's houses by the time we're done. <laughs> but uh, we call and introduce ourselves. Let everybody know that that you know you might do have a specialized team and somebody who is dedicated a hundred percent to working on this short sale. Um, we set the precedents. We give them some expectations. We let them know. Um, exactly what it is we do, and it begins a very long interview process. We need to know so many things about this entire transaction, and up in the beginning is the time to do it, whether or not the home is occupied, whether or not it's vacant, if they're current on their payments, what is their hardship circumstances, and we can talk about more about the hardship reasons mm-hmm. in just a little bit. Um, we want to know if there's a homeowners association, if they're current on those uh, HOA dues, we're going to we're basically going to go through an entire rigorous interview with those homeowners to anticipate any problems that may arise throughout the transaction. I don't know about you Mike, but I've had so many short sale transactions where we're in the middle of it and we all of a sudden get that preliminary title report because it may have been delayed and there's a second lien on the property. And the homeowners have told us, well, I don't have a second mortgage. I have a an equity line. Oh, well, the realtor didn't tell you? <laughs> the realtor didn't tell us. The mm-hmm. homeowner, well, the homeowner didn't think. You know, no. a lot of times the homeowners don't think an equity line is a second mortgage and it's something that needs to be negotiated. Well, they're, they're stressed out. It's really the real estate agent's of course. job. Of course. I hate to say it. It's the real estate agent's job to put all this in focus. Absolutely. And so we, and we try to work with the real estate agent to make sure that that job is done and it's done right up front. Um, we're going to talk with the homeowners about documentation. That's the big number one key to success when it comes to short sales and making sure that documentation is provided in a timely manner. So what's the bank looking for? They, I mean, it's funny because you go out and you get a loan on your house. You, you had the example, maybe you, have, maybe you had a $600,000 mortgage on your house, but it's only worth 300000 I mean, that situation is happening right now. In the nation. Absolutely. Thousands everywhere. of times easy. I don't know if millions of times, but thousands of times. But what's interesting to me is that for that person to get that $600,000 mortgage, they had to fill out an application. That's right. And the bank had to look at the credit report and the bank wanted to know kind of how much they made. Now, I, we, we don't, this is for another show, but you know, we could talk about, you know, those, those crazy loans that were, they were doing. And maybe there wasn't that much documentation that was required. But what's interesting, now that you want to get out of the loan, mm-hmm. First of all, you want to prove that you can do the loan. And then to get out of the loan, you basically have to show that you can't afford it. That's And correct. not only that, that you don't have, on this example, you don't have $300,000 just sitting around. To write a check for the difference. To write a check That's for right. the difference. That's right. And you know, it, it really used to, short sales five years ago really started out that way. You were basically reverse underwriting alone. Reverse underwriting, yeah. That's it. That's yeah. pretty much what the short sell process was. Yeah. And just you're right. Just as much as you had to prove that you could qualify for the loan. Now you're proving that you can't. Amazing. Now, while that uh, philosophy still is in play, we have really come to a new era of short sales, if you will, even from the few years ago. Uh, not so many people out of jobs. Not so many people in true dire straits or on unemployment. Um you know, I know a lot of that still happens in other areas through the states, but uh, here in this area, we're we're finding just more people underwater, and mm-hmm. perhaps they've gone from two incomes to a one income household, or they're relocating for employment. Uh, they need to relocate for a better school district. Sure. Uh, any reason why they need to be allowed to sell their home, uh, not necessarily that they are in financial. Um, diership, I, mm-hmm. if you will. So we're, right now we're working with banks and banks get it. They have, they have come to an understanding. They, they understand the process. They know that it's not always going to be a negative checking account statement that they're going to be looking at or yeah. an unemployment pay stub. It's going to be that they are receiving some kind of a steady income, but maybe there was a period of time where they got so far behind they'll never catch up again. Um, it seemed like in the in the past you had to have a pretty major hardship. You did not so much anymore. A spouse that uh, lost a job or both both losing a job or somebody um, maybe a death in the family. Correct. Or um, you know maybe maybe you find out that somebody got really sick and they didn't have insurance, so they spent all the money and even the equity line on the house uh, for medical care. Uh, there's, a, there's a million there's a million reasons, but they were. It seemed like years ago they really wanted to see a, a true true really 
um, you know, a hardship that you want to cry about when exactly. you read it. Exactly. And I can say that when I was working for that large national lender, I used to read hardship letters oh. every day and it was emotionally taking a toll. It really was. I mean, there were some, some very sad stories out there. I'm, I'm happy to say they're not so sad anymore. I do get one every now and then, but you know, if in doubt, call your realtor, call your short sale specialist and ask the reasons if you are in doubt that that hardship would fly with a bank or not. So basically the bank is going to want to see a, what's called a, what they call a hardship letter. Correct. Which is a, a, it could be a handwritten letter or a typed out letter from the homeowner right. to the bank saying, I want to sell my house. This is why I want to sell it. This is, and this is the reason why I, you know, I need to sell and this is why you should let me sell it. And this is why I don't have any money. And the 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 application process also requires usually they want to see two years of tax returns yes. and bank statements maybe a I don't know a year back two years I you don't know, know how how far back it depends uh, it does depend uh, always two years of tax returns always two months of bank statements mm-hmm. uh, pay stubs are usually the last two pay stubs unless you're mm-hmm. self employed they want year to date profit and loss statements but now keep in mind Mike that when you're supplying all of this information it it is more or less these days of the bank negotiator checking a box that, yes, we've received this. Yes, mm. we've received that. Interesting. They are scrutinizing these things, but only to the point where if somebody's got a million dollars in the bank and they want to do a short sale, the uh, bank's probably going to say no. But if these folks, if they've got a retirement account with some money in it, if they've got you know, a normal amount of money in the bank and they're meeting their bills okay, uh, there's still a possibility that short sale is going to go through. I'll give you an example. We just got an approval yesterday on a bank, a uh, little-known bank uh, by the name of Senlar. I hadn't heard of them before. Sellers were current on their payments. They are. They do not have any lates on their credit report. They uh, Their only reason for selling their home was to relocate for employment purposes. The bank approved the short sale. They know that these folks can't afford two homes and uh, – we're getting ready to get them closed and moved on to another state and happy in their new home. Now, the bank wanted to see their credit report too, right? Absolutely. They pulled their credit report and they still provided all the same financial documents. And then at the end, um, it really depends, but usually you don't have to pay taxes on that loss. That's exactly right. Thank goodness for the rest of this year, we have an extension on the Debt Relief Act of 2007. Now, is that state for every state and also on the federal level? Uh, that uh, is taxes? for the federal. Uh, the state has different laws. Uh, Senate Bill 458 is for the state of California on the deficiency, but the uh, Debt Relief Act of 2007 is nationwide. It's amazing. It's amazing. So, well, we're going to go into our second break. Um, stay tuned. You're here on the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. We're here with Jennifer Rose talking about the nuts and bolts of short sales. This is really great. And uh, keep listening. Let's get back to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show on TalkZone.com. Here's Mike Bell. All right. Welcome back to the show. We're here with Jennifer Rose. She's a short sale facilitator, negotiator, and we're talking about the nuts and bolts of short sales. So let's go back to what we were talking about um, when I hand off this hot potato to you. I say, well, we've already got a buyer. We have a seller. Um, and you, you, you know, what I do, I'll tell you what I do. Most agents don't. I, I let go and I let you do your job. Okay. okay. I don't get too involved. I get involved. I I need to be involved. I let you do your job. You've done a hundred. You've done f- over fifteen hundred of these on both sides of the fence. You're doing a hundred and eighty of them right now. Um, for me, I just let go. And that that is what makes us work so well, Mike. And what most agents need to do is have that faith and that trust in that facilitator. We've uh, we've all heard about the the uh, expression "too many cooks in the kitchen," and yeah. it certainly does apply here, Mike. So what are they? What what happens once I um, once I give you that hot potato? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my hands start burning and I'm ready to throw it at the bank. You start gathering a whole bunch of information from the buyer, the hardship letter. That's right. That's right. And these days, uh, I really have to say that a lot of our banks have jumped on board with all having their own 
documentation, their own forms, all on their yeah. own letterhead. So it's really, really important that I know up front what bank we're working with. And I can typically give an idea of what the expectation is going to be with that bank. While I say every no two short sales are alike, the banks can be pretty consistent with a few uh, few exceptions to the rules uh, as far as their response times and their processes. Uh, but basically, yeah, it's, it's a long interview process with the sellers. It's a ton of documentation collection, uh, how cooperative everybody is and returning that determines how quickly this short sale is going to get approved. Now, there could be a first and a second and a third trustee we were talking about, or in different states, they're called mortgages. Absolutely. But, um, so you, you essentially have to negotiate. You might have to negotiate two loans. Absolutely. And boy, does that get fun. Uh, when we have first and seconds and even sometimes thirds or sometimes we have IRS or we have uh, franchise tax board liens, credit card judgments, you name it. Everything needs to be cleaned up on title, just like a standard sale. Uh, when it comes to the short sale, we primarily will de- deal with the trustees or mortgages, and we will work with each and every bank. It becomes an entire timing game when it comes to getting these approved. You may have a short sale approval on a second months before you receive it on the first. By then, you're going back to your second asking for an extension and what have you. And the goal is to get an approval on both loans, sometimes all three loans, that all give you enough time to close without expiring. Now, you do all this when you're in escrow. In California, we, we call it escrow. But when, you're, when you actually have a bona fide buyer and seller and you have a contract and what we're doing, we're waiting for you to say, uh, hey, I have the short sale approval letter. It's actually a letter, it right? It is. I call it Willy Wonka's golden ticket. <laughs> I tell people, once we've received that letter, do not pass go, do not collect $200, go close your short sale. What's the letter say? What's it say? Great question. Every every letter with every bank is a little bit different. Uh, but what you're looking for is it's going to identify the loan number. It's going to identify your uh, borrowers who mm. don't always match your sellers. That's another uh, show. Mm. And uh, it's going to identify the property address. Sometimes it will indicate what the deficiency is, but it basically says... Yes, Mr. and Mrs. Smith of 407 Main Street, we will accept this amount of money as payment in full for your loan. And we will report it to the credit bureaus that this account has been settled uh, for less than what was owed. So it stays on the credit report for usually two years? Usually two years. Uh, Well, it'll stay on the credit report, I believe, for seven years, but Mm -hmm. you're eligible to buy again after two Mm -hmm. versus a foreclosure is anywhere between three to seven years. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, on a short sale, though, now, the, say, for example, was, I'm not going to name a bank, I guess, but on a situation where you're selling a house for $300,000, but you owe $600,000, now, the owner of the house doesn't have any money. They don't have a job. They just want to sell the house. Who pays the commissions? Who pays the escrow fee, title fee, all these fees? There could be – there's there's thousands of dollars. Who Who pays that? Does the buyer pay it? Does the – Excellent question. And that is, in a sense, the meat and potatoes of that hot potato, if that makes any sense. During the negotiations with the bank, we talk about that. We present a list of fees on what's called a HUD-1 settlement statement Mm -hmm. to the bank and let them review and say, we would like for, out of the proceeds of this sale, a 6% commission to be paid to these agents. We'd like the title and escrow fees, the Taxes, property taxes, of course, to be paid current, um, and any other fees that we can try and get the bank to allow. Um, and this also includes incentives to our sellers to maybe help pay for some moving expenses, especially for those sellers who live in their home and uh, do need that financial assistance. Well, there's a new program. Well, it's not new anymore, but it came out a few years. It's called HAFA. Now, you're, it's H-A-F-A. Correct. What, is it, what does it stand for? And you're, you are certified I am a certified HAFA specialist, and of course, my certification goes back to actually when it did start out. But it is a it's a government program. What's it stand for? I'm sorry. Housing Affordable Foreclosure Alternatives. Oh boy, <laughs> it's a mouthful. Yeah. Uh, we we don't try to to say what it is anymore. It's just HAFA. But it's a federal program, right? It's a federal they- program, and it it is des- it was designed to help streamline the short sale process. While it did none of that. 
in reality. Uh, the only incentive that it really came out with was a up to $3,000 relocation incentive for our sellers. Um, there are now what most people don't realize is that although this is a federal program, each and every bank out there can have their own spin on it. Mm-hmm. And so that means what is a half a short sale for Bank of America may not be a half a short sale for IndyMac. And there's another layer of paperwork to go through. Another layer of paperwork as well. Uh, I think the biggest thing for the HAFA program itself is for any state besides California. Uh, it does provide that that deficiency is waived versus where California is protected with the California Senate Bill 458. Mm-hmm. Now, it, so what, what happens with HAFA is that you're the homeowner, the bank has taken a huge loss, you've closed escrow, and then you get a check from the federal government, maybe up to $3,000, which will help you move. Actually, that check comes right at escrow. Oh. Absolutely. Nice. The day the day escrow closes, the, the escrow company would write that check, and part of that short sale approval letter or Willy Wonka's golden ticket would uh, would indicate that escrow has permission to, to write that check to the homeowners. I know we've skipped around a lot, but so we've cl- say we've closed escrow today. Does the buyer get... The buyer gets the property. Now, does the buyer, does, does that deficiency still on the property or is it wiped away? It is wiped away. And it's the only way that escrow can close and title Mm -hmm. insurance be issued to that buyer. That's right. Now, does the, do the realtors go after the buyer and ask them to pay their, is there any, I mean, Commissions are always paid out of the proceeds of the sale, which is nice. I know. We have a few, we have a few banks who like to say, nope, we're only going to pay 3%, 3%, 4%, 5%. Um, GMAC was one of my big ones that wouldn't pay more than 5%. They just got sold to Aquins, so I'm hoping Aquins going to keep their 6% in play. But there are a few out there that will have a very standard, uh, will not negotiate uh, as far as a percentage on the commission. But yes, commissions are always paid for out of the proceeds of the sale. Nobody's writing a check. So when the buyer buys the property, they're, they're actually buying it from the seller. They're not buying it from the bank. That's correct. And they're actually getting the house without any of the old liens, any of the old headaches, any of the liability, any of that. It's basically closed as a regular sale. Absolutely. The only thing that a buyer needs to keep in mind in a short sale is just that it's going to be a longer process. Yes. It doesn't affect their credit either, the buyer, right? Correct. That's correct. I knew all of that, but we have to get the information. Of course. Because I get these questions and it makes sense. I can understand because it's it's a difficult process sometimes to really understand. Now, um, when you, when you, when you close, um, the, uh, uh, that's you, obviously you get paid. The realtors get paid. Um, but you were talking about how, um, the buyers have to be flexible and, and knowing that it could take a long time. I'll give you a perfect example. You are helping me right now with a reverse mortgage short sale. Okay. Yes, sir. We had a buyer for this and this was back in, we opened escrow. We basically had a contract in five months ago. Okay. It was five months ago and it's taken this long to get to this point. The first, I, I, I couldn't believe they did this. The first uh, short sale approval that we got from the bank. Uh, it was actually kind of through HUD because HUD is the one, housing and urban development is the one that really ensures the reverse mortgages. They gave us seven days uh, to close our transaction. It was impossible for the buyer that we had to be able to get everything done. Usually the most of the short sale approvals I've seen are anywhere between 30 and 45 days. That's correct. They gave you. So they gave us seven days we couldn't do it. And keep in mind, there are several things that affect a short sale expiration on the approval. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a great point that you bring up, Mike, because so many people don't understand that a short sale letter and that golden ticket that we've got, it has an expiration date. An expiration and once date. you have passed that expiration date, these banks, the, the banks are just absolutely tired of giving extensions anymore. Uh, they'll, sometimes they'll throw the file all the way back to the beginning of the process. Uh, this is why I definitely, definitely stress to all of my parties, once you have that letter, do everything you can. Now, I was mentioning there are a couple of things that determine that expiration date. Mm-hmm. Is there a trustee sale date approaching? 
a bank is typically not going to give an approval letter past that trustee sale date because the only thing that's going to stop that trustee sale date is either a postponement by the bank or a closed short sale. When you say trustee sale date, that you just you're talking about a foreclosure sale date. That's correct. Yep. That's correct. A uh, couple of other things that may affect that uh, FHA short sale approvals will always try and give 60 days approval. Mm-hmm. Um, in our case, with our reverse mortgage, it was the expiration date of the appraisal that the bank had on file that determined our close date. And don't forget our first. Uh, challenge on that was that we were three quarters of the way through approval within a few weeks with Bank of America and they went and sold us to another company. And we started from scratch. And we started from scratch. And we said, wait a minute, don't you have the file? And they said, what file? That's right. We had to start from complete scratch. That's right. Even though Bank of America was telling us when they sent it on over to the other company that uh, the file would transfer over. It's not the case. So I had a client who was 90 years old and he's in a retirement home, and we have a buyer's agent, realtor, who doesn't really know what she's doing. we got me, we have you, we have all these moving parts, and we had to start from scratch. Ugh. It was fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, we're being sarcastic, aren't we? Champagne tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to go to a break right now. So you're on the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. Remember, this is a, t- a call-in show. Hopefully, we have a caller comes calls in. But we're here with Jennifer Rose talking about short sales, and we'll be right back. And now more of the Mike Bell Real Estate Show on TalkZone.com. Here's Mike Bell. Welcome back. Mike Bell here with the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. I'm here with Jennifer Rose. We're talking about short sales. So let's. I want to encapsulate something really quick. So we get an offer that comes in, get it accepted. We go to you, Jennifer, and you put together a package for the bank, and you talk to the, the, the seller, and you get all this information to the bank. And the bank says, basically, they say yes. But prior to the bank saying, yes, we'll allow you to sell to this borrower at this price, the bank wants to make sure that it's actually being sold at market price. It's at a fair market price. They want to make sure that, you know, somebody's not trying to swindle the bank and, and come in too low. They want to make sure that if we're selling this thing for 300000 it's really worth 300000 so when when did they determine that? How does that happen? Great question, Mike. The the biggest component to the short sale negotiations and the underwriting from the bank's perspective is once they do receive that short sale package, which can be anywhere from three inches to twelve inches tall, <laughs> uh, no, and no. we're talking about single space typed both sides. Uh, they will accept those documents in and begin their short sale review process. They assign a negotiator to the file. And typically with most banks, at the time that they assign a negotiator, they will also ask uh, either an appraisal or um, some kind of a real estate agent to do a BPO. Sometimes they will do both. It's not the real estate agents that are involved, right? That's correct. These are contracted with the bank directly and appraisal companies that are also contracted with the bank directly. And they go out and they perform their own BPO or appraisal or both. What's a BPO? A broker-priced opinion. And that is done by a neutral, supposedly neutral uh, real estate agent that provides a quick assessment of value of the property and returns that over to the bank. Will they use the the seller's opinion of value or they will they use the realtors that are involved in the transaction or how about the buyer the buyer that's buying the property has to get an appraisal if they're going to get a loan will they use that appraisal great question Uh, at first no Um, what will happen is typically we won't have our buyers get an appraisal in, except in the case of our reverse mortgage short sale, uh, buyers will not get an appraisal until we do have short sale approval. So that happens later. Okay. That will happen later. Now, have there been circumstances where we get into escrow with a short sale approval, the buyer gets their appraisal and it actually comes in lower than the purchase price? Yes. And at that point, we would take that appraisal, send it back to the bank and ask them to reconsider their approval. Again, a bunch of moving parts. Exactly. But back to the traditional 
uh, process with the bank is they will perform their own BPO or appraisal. They will receive those items in and uh, go through a rigorous review of those documents, make sure that the appraisals were done correctly. And speaking as a former, former negotiator on behalf of a bank, I can testify to that myself. <laughs> and bottom line, Mike, is it is, it's a mathematical equation is one side of the worksheet is going to be an anticipated amount of money that the bank is going to have uh, if they were to foreclose on the home. The other side of the worksheet is after we pay all of these fees and we accept this purchase price, this is what they're offering us to settle this loan. Which one is more? Gotcha. Um, Jennifer, my producer Dave is telling me we lost the caller. Um, we lost our caller. So when you get the, the short sale approval, <clears throat> when you get the short sale approval, the, the golden ticket, the Willy Wonka to, golden ticket, that's when, at least in California, that's when we actually open escrow. Even though we've had an accepted offer, maybe we had an accepted offer for months and months and months. That's when we actually open escrow. That's when we actually start the process because then we know that we have a certain amount of time to close. We know the price that it's going to be. We know who the borrower is going to be. We know that the seller can actually uh, uh, walk, you know, sell the property, and uh, the bank is willing to take a take it in the shorts or, or take a loss. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then at that point, that's when the borrower. I'm sorry, the buyer that's buying the property. That's when they do their regular inspections. That's when um, uh, you do all the disclosures usually. Um, I do them way a lot earlier than that, but that's what the typical realtor will do, all the disclosures. And that's when the the buyer that's buying it contacts their own bank and gets their process going to be able to get their loan, if they're going to get a loan to buy the property. It's very true, and that's one of the, the hardest parts about short sales is that we need to keep the fire lit under everybody's feet with that pending, daunting expiration date of that short sale approval. We need to make sure all of those inspections and the buyer's financing, if there is any, is in line and they are ready to close before that letter expires. Well, on the transactions that I have, when we when we do get that golden ticket, I actually push the buyer's agent pretty hard and they don't really like it too much. But you know what? There's a lot at stake if we miss that deadline, if we can't actually close on time. And it's just the way it is in the nation that you know, to get a loan on a house, forget about refine, refinance, refinancing your house. You call any bank, they're going to, they're going to tell you it's going to be two to three months because you're actually on the back burner. Their, their, their focus is on purchase money loans, but purchase money loans, at least in our area and in, in our marketplace for the last few years are taking at least 30 days. Most loan officers that you talk to say it'll probably be 45. It would be great to have 60 days. So guess what we do when we get that? golden ticket i mean it's That's you right. put your foot on the gas and you push to make sure everybody gets gets their stuff going that's as fast as absolutely possible absolutely right and that's what sets you apart from most other realtors mike is that some people don't get that sense of urgency and there's a sense of well we've got the approval let's all just kind of relax now because we know it's approved and that's just the last thing you want to do all right so um of the 180 deals that you're doing right now, well, actually, on, on all the deals, um, I mean, this is kind of an easy question, but how important is it to have a competent real estate broker working on both sides? Because right now, back up, we were just talking during the break. We just found out on the transaction that we're closing tomorrow that it, the loan, the buyer's loan just funded. Yes. But I'll tell you, we had a really difficult time in this transaction because the buyer's realtor didn't understand the process and she fought us and she called you and she had her paperwork messed up and she really she she really almost lost this really good deal for the, her borrower didn't Abs- she absolutely absolutely it it is so important that it's okay to not know the process it's yeah. completely okay as a realtor to to not be familiar with short sales uh that's one of the unique positions I'm in is I get to facilitate so many at one time versus our agents out there who may be juggling anywhere from one to five deals at a time. Um, so it's okay, but you really do need to put your trust in your team and understand that these things do take some time. 
They may not always make a lot of sense. Um, I tell people all the time that if I was trying to fight logic with these banks, that I'd never get a short sale approval. Well, that's true. Yes, absolutely. So there, there really does need to be a trust in, in who you are working with and to let them be that cook in the kitchen. Um, because if there's too many distractions, likelihood is the food's going to get burnt. Well, yeah. <laughs> years ago, I'll tell you, when, when short sales came back into the cycle, um, we have a short sale negotiator in our office, but this guy, he's fantastic, but he's the company mentor and he does training. He sells real estate. Um, and he's just not, I mean, he, there's no way he does as much as you do. And when I was introduced to you two years ago, I told the guy in my office, I'm so sorry. I love you to death, but you know what? You're good. I need somebody great in my corner. And that's why I, I push you. I, I will only work with you. And I, I also tell the realtors that you're not very smart if you don't use an expert or a specialist that does this all the time. You should, your realtor, if you're listening here, your realtor should not be doing your short sale. Absolutely. Absolutely. You they should somebody. be subbing this out, even if it costs them some of their money out of their commission. That's right. And the, and the seller should not be paying it. That's right. Seller yeah. wouldn't be doing a short sale if they could. That's right. That's right. So did we hit everything? The hour goes quick, doesn't it? The hour does go quick. Well. I do, I do have to say, you know, short sales, they are uh, complicated. And I think that if we did touch everything, we all would have had to bring our pajamas and camp, camp out here for a week. But, uh, you know, the, the bottom thing to do is to walk away knowing that you can need a competent realtor, a competent short sale specialist, a good team to get you through. And you're going to have a smooth transaction. You're not going to hear have the horror story that yeah. uh, you've been hearing from your neighbors. Again, I want to give everybody Jennifer's contact info. Her phone number is 818-863-1631. Anywhere in the country, call her up. If you can't find a good realtor, you can call her and call me. And but we'll, we will find somebody who understands this process that can help you anywhere in the in the United States. Her email is jrose at nationalhomeequity.com. And we're going to have some great shows coming up. So I hope you guys listen to these shows. We're going to have one about the Chinese investor, how to kill a deal, real, commercial real estate. We have a lot of stuff coming up. So anyways, that's it for today's show. I'll be back next week, same time. Don't forget to visit my website, mikebellteam.com. And Jennifer, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. The opinions expressed in the Mike Bell Real Estate Show are solely those of the hosts and do not reflect the opinions of anyone at TalkZone.com, Keller Williams Realty, any board of realtors, or anyone for that matter. Always hire a real estate attorney when making real estate decisions. Do not try any of this at home.